Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Yes, we are. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Tell us about your pants today. <sighs> they're just sweatpants. It's chilly yeah. today. No, they're cool though. They're they're different. They are sweatpants from Target with um, constellations Astrology on them. Astrology sweatpants. Yeah. Well, yeah. Astronomy. Astronomy. Mm. I knew it was wrong, but I was like, wait, I forgot what the word was. I look at you and I think astrology. <laughs> you do because that's, that's correct. I'm a very big astrology. Did person. anyone hear our feng shui episode? I don't know. Did well, you? Well, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't re-listened to it, but I was there. A lot of astrology there. Anyways, <laughs> can I tell you about our guest today? I, yes, please. Uh, yeah, he's great. I'm excited to have him on. I've known him for quite some time. Probably a name that uh, a lot of you have heard or know of. And uh, I think this will be an interesting conversation. So today we have on uh, Brandon Half from Rodeo Realty. He's been um, an agent for 18 years. And we're going to talk about some of his other extracurricular activities. Welcome, Brandon. Thanks, guys. Honored to be here. Extracurricular activities. That yeah, that sound, sounded really doesn't interesting. Doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> so you do, you have done and continue to do a lot of flipping and investing, right? Yeah. So um, I started selling real estate in 2005. and as much as I love doing it and still love doing it, I really got into um, real estate investing. And uh, the beginning of that was flipping houses, um, which I still do. But that, that kind of allowed me to use a little more of my creative side of my brain and then also plays into my real estate business. So I started doing that in, uh, I did my first in 2006, which was a, a big loser. And then I picked back up in 2009 and have been doing it consistently ever since. Do you think of yourself either now or during that time as a flipper who happens to have a license or as an agent who happens to flip homes? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Um, I am by far an agent who enjoys flipping houses. I, we can get into it. I mean, I've had years where we've done 12 flips in, in one year and I've, I've, I've still made more money selling real estate. So I would never take off mm. that real estate cap so to speak. Mm -hmm. That is, that is what pays the bills and has allowed me the, the ability and the opportunity to flip houses. So I enjoy both. They really both go along with each other. Yeah. Let me ask you to go back, back to kind of where we started when you first got licensed and when you started flipping homes. So that home in 2006 or 2009, whatever it is, because I think a lot of agents, I mean, not every agent, but a lot of agents figure I'm a real estate licensee. I know homes, I know sales, I know values. It makes sense that I could probably do some flips potentially. So for those agents out there that may consider it now or down the road, whatever it is, take us back to your first experience doing it. How did being an agent help? How did like, just, just walk us through, how does someone do their very first one? So my first experience really had very little to do with my agent experience because I was licensed the end of 05. I purchased my first flip in the middle of, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was end of 05 when I, when I purchased the flip. So I had just become licensed. A friend of mine was in the mortgage business. He kind of brought the deal to me, said, hey, let's do this together. You know, we'll make a ton of money. And um, really, neither one of us had any construction experience or knowledge. I was very green in the business, so I didn't know how to evaluate a deal. 
And we jumped into this thing head first. And long story short, my friend and business partner at that for that particular deal ran out of funds and ended up having to basically hand the project over to me. I maxed out every credit card. I was uh, I was 21 at the time, so I maxed out every credit wow. card. I borrowed money from my folks. I think they actually put an equity line on their house in order to help me finish this project. It, it wasn't, Paul, and oh, Paul, you know, you've done plenty of flips. Uh, it wasn't a basic lipstick on a pig flip. It was uh, south of the Boulevard Tarzana. We added square footage. We took it to studs. It was a big project. Wow. And um, long story short, it, it took me almost two years to finish the project. And I hit it. I hit the market just as the mortgage meltdown was happening. <laughs> God. And I ended up selling the house at a net loss of $300,000. Oh, oh so my first experience was terrible. It was horrific. It was terrible. awful. And I'll never forget because my grandma, uh, God rest her soul. Uh, she looked at me and she said, you know what? That's okay. It was an expensive college education. And, and yeah. those, those words ring in my head all the time because she was right. You know, I learned so much. Uh, the contacts that I made through that experience. I had the, the contractor who ended up helping me finish the project because not to get long winded, but we ended up in a lawsuit with our first contractor. But the contractor who ended up helping me finish the property, he ended up becoming a great client and a great asset. He probably referred me, I don't know, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in, in real estate transactions moving forward. He connected me to a lot of people that hired me as an agent. So there was some uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. Can you talk about a good experience you might have had flipping? <laughs> Let's talk about your second flip. <laughs> All right. So so second flip, it was 2009. I had connected with uh, a, a friend of, I think you also know, David Friedman. And he was doing, he was working for a company called Strategic Acquisitions, or he was working with a company called Strategic. And they were buying homes at trustee sale. And I had partnered with another agent in my office who had some money because at this point I was spending every dollar I had repaying all the debt that I had accumulated from the first mess up. And anyways, he brought us a deal. Um, it was in Winnetka. It was a four bedroom, two bath house. It was occupied. He called me and he said, Hey, you can buy this thing for two seventy. Uh, if you want it, it's yours. All you can do is drive by it. And I got in my car right away. I drove over there. I looked at it. I said, you know, it looks great. Um, and we pulled the trigger. Yeah, we, mm -hmm. we pulled the trigger, we bought it and got the deed from strategic and ended up ended up uh, going and knocking on the door and introducing myself to the occupants as their new landlord. And <laughs> they were very friendly and understood what was going on. I think it I think they had been expecting it. And we ended up uh, giving them a, a, a few grand to move out and dug right into it. And we, uh, I think that house we ended up putting forty or fifty grand into, and we sold it for like four thirty. I think it took us about four months from the time we took the deed to the time we closed escrow. I had a roommate at the time who was very good at uh, everything involving construction, so he was installing our floors and baseboards and doing a little plumbing, a little electrical paint. I mean, he was really good. So we got him a helper and, and let him go to town on it, and, and that was kind of my first jump back into flipping and real estate investing. And it was a successful one. And I think since that 2009 first uh, trustee sale flip, I've probably done 40 or 50 of them. I've only lost money on one of those 40 or 50. And it was very little money. We actually, uh, my current partner and I had uh, had bought something and, and 
we ended up selling it. It wasn't, we didn't do a great job with the evaluating and the execution of this deal. And uh, we ended up selling it at what we thought was a break even. And uh, like a month or two after closing escrow, we got a supplemental tax bill of a thousand bucks. And so we each, <laughs> we each had to write a check of $500. So it was a $500 yeah. loss. That's not bad. Nah, not, not too bad. So what going kind of going back to my original question is flipping homes something that you think the average realtor can do? Would you recommend if a friend came to you and they've been a realtor for, I don't know, three years, five years, whatever, and I want to do this because I want to diversify my income. Well, for whatever reasons, would you say, do it? Would you say, do it, but be careful of these things? Or would you say you just, you're asking for problems? You know, I usually recommend that agents don't get into it. Um, it is, it takes a tremendous amount of effort and work. There is a good amount of risk involved. There are many things that can come up that can cause it to go the wrong way. And I think that I got into it at an early enough age and got connected with the right people that I was able to make it a successful line of my business. But I think with the amount of effort that goes into it and the amount of time it takes, I think you can do just as well focusing on a real estate business and focusing on your, you know, your agent buying and selling business. Sid, who I've worked for for the last 18 years, who owns Rodeo, he tried talking me out of it a long time ago. And uh, he, he said, you know, flipping houses is for guys that don't have jobs. And he said, you're a rock star agent. You do a ton of business and you don't need to spend your time doing that. He said, you should just buy homes and keep them. And I said, I said, Sid, that's, that's great. And, and I, I don't disagree with you, but you know, if I buy a house and keep it, I'm done. I can't buy another one. So what I, against his advice, what I did was I started flipping houses and, and I started taking the profits from doing it and putting it away and putting it towards down payments on long-term holds. And, um, yeah. that kind of segued into me buying rental properties and holding on to them. And I still own several of them and, and don't have any plans on letting go of them. So I want to come back to uh, the rental properties in a, in a second, but sure. with flipping right now in this market and the market for the last, with the housing prices at they are and they're holding, right? Is there enough profitability in flips right now? I mean, there's always money to be made doing it. You make your money on the buy. You, know, you have to buy the property, right? You have to be able to evaluate properly. You have to have a really good hold on what costs are. And there's a hundred different levels of what you can do to a house to improve it. And you have to know what your finished product is in order to evaluate what the final, what the property will ultimately sell for on the market. I think Paul knows I probably spend more than most. And I think a long time ago when, when he and Danny were doing it, if you remember, Paul, I think Danny had called me or maybe it was you, you guys, you guys were doing these <laughs> flips and, and they were putting carpet into them. And I was using these laminate floors, right? And I was probably getting just a hair more money than they were on the sales prices. And I told them, I said, you know, my advice is spend the extra buck and you'll get extra money. And, and I still stand behind that. I think I put together a, a better product than some. I won't say most because there's a ton of people out there doing it now. Um, but I tend to, I always think to myself, if I couldn't sell the house, would I live there? And if I can't answer that with a yes, then I don't want to do the project. So I guess coming back to it, there's a million ways to slice the pie. There is money to be made. I think right now, you know, when I started out doing it, I was buying houses in the 200 and 300 and 400 range. 
and selling them for four, five, and six hundred. And um, now I think in order to really make any money, you got to dig into bigger projects. Not necessarily. I mean, those three, four hundred thousand dollar houses are now eight, nine hundred in a million. Right, right. But what I'm finding is, you know, the projects that I'm doing now, I'm in three right now. I have one that is a, a, a $1.2 million purchase. We're going to end up with probably five or 600 grand into the rehab. And it should, wow. I mean, our target price is going to be about two, three, two, four million. So, and then the other two that I'm in, I've now gotten into doing some new builds and new developments. So I've got a couple of projects now that we paid about a million and a half for the dirt. Uh, wow. I'm going to be putting one eight to 2 million into the build and, and targeting mid fours. So it's a little, there's a lot more risk I think involved and it takes a lot more, it takes a bigger uh, piggy bank to start with. You know, it's not what it was when I started doing it 15 years ago. So do you ever utilize or do many people in the industry that are doing flips utilize hard money loans or does a lot of it have to be like having a really good down payment or having like liquid cash, having like a pool of investors, like what's, what are the options for that? That's a good question. I know a lot of people use hard money. A lot of people do. I haven't, I shouldn't say that I've never used hard money because we have, but we try as much as we can to stay away from it because it just adds, it adds a whole nother layer of stress and, (laughs) and eats up a good chunk of the profit. Um, So we, you know, I partnered with somebody several years ago who was able to give me access to a good chunk of change. We pay a very low interest rate on the money that we use. And, and if we run out of money, we, we don't buy anything else. We turn down projects. You know, I, I then turn them over to clients and try to put my clients into projects. Those are my clients that do flips. The hard money just adds this, this level of stress for me that I don't need in my life. But I do know a ton of people use it. You know, it allows people to come in with less out-of-pocket expense, which then really gives them a greater return on their actual dollar. And, and we have, I mean, my partner being a, a, as successful a lender as he is, we have been able to buy homes and get investment properties tied up that we have put conventional loans on. So the, one of the remodels that I'm doing right now, we do have a conventional loan. The other is private money, but not hard money. It's somebody else that's lent us the money. With hard money, is the stress uh, the time? Like there's a certain limit of time you have for that? Yeah, it's the time and the 10 plus percent interest and the extra points. And uh, and then, you know, if you're doing like on new developments, when you're doing construction loans, you've got inspectors that need to come out and look at the work before they release money. So it also adds a level of stress of having your tradespeople chase you down for money that you haven't yet received from the bank to pay them. Um, So it's just for me, for me, and I realize that I may be fortunate in the relationships that I have made over the years. It's just something that I don't deal with. I, I, I just, I don't want the stress. I, I, as much as I'd like to say, you know, I can do a remodel in four months, five months, six months, depending on how long, you know, how much is involved. I hate having that hanging that 10% interest hanging over my head. And when you're talking about a million, two, a million, five, $2 million lent, you could be talking about 15, 20, $25,000 in interest every month. So it can eat up money very quickly. They call it hard money for a reason. (laughs) It's not soft. It's not tender money. Not easy, not easy money. (laughs) Not easy money. Not easy money. What do you think is the most challenging thing about flipping homes? I mean, not for you at this point in your career, because you've kind of got it down, but as you, when you get started, is it, is it the financing, getting the partners? Is it getting a good deal? Is it problems with tenants? Is it 
getting decent contractors to do the work? Like what, what, do you, what are the bigger challenges when you get started? I mean, I think though, that all of those challenges present themselves and, and are legitimate challenges. I think finding the right contractors and the right tradespeople is one of the biggest things. Just as an example, I'm building a house right now and it's a fairly big house, about 5,400 square feet. And my first foundation bid came in at $200,000. Uh, that's just for the foundation. And ultimately, I, I'm getting it, I'm not getting it, it's already poured and, and I paid $85,000. So if I didn't know what I was doing and know basic wow. numbers and have some experience and have other people I could talk to to bounce ideas off of, I may not have even been able to build the project based on those numbers. So, you know, I think working with the right contractors and tradespeople is huge. Obviously, getting the right deal is paramount to, to success in, in the flipping business. If you overpay for a house, there's nothing you can do to it other than wait for the market to go up in order to get out of it. So, you know, I think, I think acquiring the right deal is probably number one or number two, finding the right contractors and tradespeople. Number three is, is just proper evaluation, you know, knowing what your final product is going to be and trying to have a handle on what it will ultimately sell for budgeting. There's so many different challenges that go into it. But but getting the good deal, right? You make your money on the buy. I've said that before. Don't you as an agent sort of have an advantage that you might see an opportunity because somebody needs to sell a fixer or agents in general, don't aren't they advantaged in that way just by being agents and being able to see deals before they come to market? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Agents have more knowledge than the standard investor on a particular marketplace may have access to deals before they go on the market. You know, I think I think being an agent, besides the commission aspect of it, I mean, when, when I'm looking at a deal, being an agent, even if there's no commission on the purchase, I'm saving two or two and a half percent on the listing side. So if I've done my evaluating the same way everybody else has done their evaluating and we're all willing to work on the same margin, then the price I can pay for a house is 2% or 2.5% higher than the next investor for that reason. So yeah, I, I do think being an agent does have its advantages. Also being in the business, I've made a tremendous network of other agents that know what we do. And so I don't always have to be an agent and I'm not always an agent on my own transactions. So um, mm -hmm. having that large net cast over the marketplace that I'm working in and having the relationships with other agents, and then having a reputation for closing deals and not giving people a hard time. I mean, there's plenty of investors out there that, you know, tie up a deal and, and then try to beat up the seller and beat up the agent and make things difficult before they ultimately close. And that's not us. If we say we're going to buy a house, we buy a house, period. We don't ask agents for their commissions. We don't renegotiate after we've negotiated a good deal with a seller. So I think being a man or woman of your word uh, goes very far, I think. Yeah, having the right reputation so that people know that you're somebody they want to continue working with. So going over to your long-term holds. So do you own geographically all in one area? What was that like getting into that? So my rule has always been, and, I, and I'll get into, I just, I've just broken my rule, but I've, my rule has <laughs> always been not to buy anything that I can't reach out and physically touch within like an hour because I manage all my own rentals. Right okay. now I have seven and um, I'm at pretty much my limit on what I can manage myself. 
but managing my own rentals and not trusting other people to be in charge of them. I wanted to be able to physically go check on my properties and, and be within reach. So that was my, my number one rule was always don't buy anything that you can't go, you know, reach out and touch within an hour. I started buying, I think I bought my first rental in probably 2010. And, um, and I bought a, a little one bedroom condo at the Met in Woodland Hills. It's a little, it's a, not a little, it's a huge complex right off of Canoga and the freeway. And my manager at the time was a REO agent. And it's a long story, but this, this listing was kind of given to him and taken away and then sold to an investor in a bulk sale. And then, you know, they canceled on the investor and, but ultimately it came back to him and they said, you know, if you can get us a buyer tonight, you don't need to put it in the MLS, just write the offer up. We'll accept it. So I have the lowest, the lowest sale in the history of the Met. <laughs> what is no it? Way. What's the it, price? It, it's a one bedroom. I, I paid 85 grand for it. Yeah. Oh under a hundred. Under a hundred. And, um, it. you know, wow. it was, it, it had been in a flood. It was right up my alley. The thing was completely gutted. I mean, it cost me about 25 grand to put it back together. I refinanced it because it was worth probably 180 or so. And I got all my money back out of it. And um, I put a tenant in it at the time, I think for 1500 bucks, which covered HOA taxes, insurance, the mortgage, and, um, and I held it. And that's, that's really been my, my formula, so to speak on rentals is if I can buy it, and it covers conservatively covers all expenses, I'm happy. Um, on the yeah. long-term holds, I'm not looking for profit every month. If I make something every month, great. If I don't, it's okay. But it's a long-term play for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I want properties that are paid off in 30 years that uh, will allow me to retire comfortably. Yeah. So in in a market like now, prices are still pretty high, right? There's no real. <laughs> I don't see anything costing eighty-five thousand dollars at any point in the future. What can some, like, I know a friend who bought a place, you know, a condo a few years ago, but her mortgage with everything included HOA, all that she pays like 34, 3,500 a month. It's a one bedroom. She's not going to get that much in rent. Mm -hmm. So how does somebody get into the game these days? That's a good question. And I don't know that I have the answer for it. Prices where they're at. And, and I, I think they're staying where they're at for the most part, because inventory is being kept artificially low because of the high interest rates. People aren't selling unless they have a real reason to. So with the the combination of the high prices and the higher interest rates, I think it's really difficult. If you can find a great deal and, uh, and you can, you know, put 20, 25% down and and get a good loan and, and get it close enough to covering, it might make sense because really it's a forced savings account. You know, you're forcing yourself every month to pay down principal and, and save money and you have the option of refining if and when rates come down. And we all anticipate they will at some point, probably not to where they were. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see twos or, or low threes anytime soon, but certainly high fours or low fives, I think, will, will come back. And, um, and that may drop payments by several hundred dollars a month, depending on what you're buying. I think the other, the other play is ADUs. And I, I think ADUs are not I think, ADUs are by far the best cash on cash return. Somebody can, can, if you own a property that you can build an ADU or convert a garage, there's no better investment or better return on your money. Assuming you're willing to rent out you know, a garage when you're living in a house or have a tenant mm-hmm. that's okay with it. But I think right now the average cost of converting a garage to an ADU is probably somewhere in the 100 to 120 range. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least when we're talking about areas in the valley, I have a friend who has helped the client probably do a dozen 
properties that they built ADUs and they're getting anywhere from 2000 to $2,400 a month for a converted mm-hmm. garage that's built well. Yeah. And if you take the lower number, if you take 2000, that's 24 grand a month, you've got a four or five year turnaround on getting your money back. And I don't know anywhere else that you can do that. Yeah. That's great. Do you see investors doing a lot of those, buying a home, converting a garage, or building the ADU in the backyard? I have. I, I've seen I've seen a ton of people do it. I did it several years ago. I bought a place in Lake Balboa. It was on a good sized lot, and I ended up taking the the two car garage and adding on and making it about a thousand square feet and a two bedroom, two bath. And it's a great investment. I, I've I've held on to it. I, I have great tenants. I I tend to keep my rents low because I like happy tenants. Happy tenants don't bother me. Happy tenants stay where they're at. Uh, when somebody can't find something similar for less money, then they tend to stay where they're at. So yeah. for me, I would rather have uh, happy tenants paying me every month than having to paint and, and clean up and find new tenants and you know have turnaround every year. You lose a month or two every time you get a tenant that moves out. Now, I asked you this about flipping homes. I'm going to pose it now about rentals, notwithstanding the market today, because it is very expensive. But in general, do you think the average agent should be thinking about or considering like, is there an advantage for them to buy rental properties like you have done? Absolutely. I I think that, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I think that you need to own the product that you're selling, right? And I think that uh, I think that rental real estate, not not I think rental real estate is the is the best way to obtaining long term wealth. I started doing it at a very young age and was fortunate enough to be earning money and and having the income and and the ability to qualify. When I bought my first rentals, you could qualify, you know, just by having a pulse, so it was easy. <laughs> but yeah, I think that everybody should own. I think that every agent out there should do what they can to own real estate. You got to you got to figure out what makes the most sense for you. But my my formula has always been I don't care if it's making money every month, just if I can put the money down and I can cover conservatively cover my costs, then I'm in. Yeah. I like it. That's cool. So, you've been doing this for a while, I think 18 years, we said we agent, flipping and rental and whatnot. Do you still love it? You still get a kick out of it or are you kind of over it? <laughs> I love it. I probably have a little bit less patience for people than I did when I started. <laughs> but um, yeah. but I do. I, I love it. Yeah. I don't know what else I'd be doing. You know, I, right. I, I didn't go to college. I got into it at uh, I was I, I got licensed at uh, 21 and, and jumped right into it. I've never looked back. It's the best thing I've ever done. You have to have a passion for what you do. And I've always been of the of the mindset that you just keep going until, until you've got it right. And, um, as a new agent, it's, it's, it's not easy to get into the business and it's not easy to, to become successful in the business. And, and it's easy to get discouraged. You know, I've had probably took me eight months to make my first penny in real estate. And that was working seven days a week without taking vacations. And there was a point where I, you know, I, I wanted to bail on it, but I'm glad I didn't. I, I, I look back on it there's nothing that I've done that I would change. I love that about real estate, Sarah, uh, that you don't have to go to college. You don't have to have any, you just have to hustle. You, you just got to be the kind of person that's going to get up every day, get up, even though you don't want to, that you've been knocked down the day before. And if you hustle and you hustle and you hustle long enough, you can make it and you can keep building and you can get Well, and the return right? on investment with all the work that you do throughout right. a long career is that you just get repeat business from referrals, from Mm -hmm. clients coming back. You get to watch them through all of their Mm -hmm. life changes and getting a new house and having kids and like being part of that process with them. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you literally can do it 
for a lifetime and it just has all its different seasons of it. Yeah. Your mom's a real estate agent, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. She doesn't she, market anything. She's just all referral and all past client and she'd all. She'd be a great guest, I think, having your mom on, don't <laughs> you think? Paul really wants to talk to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I want to ask her about Sarah, why she is the way she is now. So I think that'd be... Brandon, thank you so much. I'm sure we could talk for another hour because I, I can ask you about flips and rentals and I, we're kind of a kindred spirit because we have a lot of the same interests. But thank you so much for coming on. I think it was um, very informative. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Brandon. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll see you next time, everybody. Or we won't see you. We'll listen to you. You'll listen to us. Thanks for having me. You can have me back anytime. We'll see you next time. Bye. Happy to chat. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.